Welcome to Drunken Science. Hello. Hello, Gaff. What are you going to talk about this week? You weirdo. Today, I'm going to talk about terraforming. Well, like terrahawks. Terrahawks do terraforming? Sure. I'm sure they did. Well, I can't yes. remember anything about terrahawks apart from the name and knots and crosses. And there's. That's. It's like being you. It's like being me. But yes, or maybe no, who knows, unless you remember the Terrahawks. But I shall be talking about terraforming. And this is part two of the terraforming series. Shall I ask the obvious question? If you must. What happened to part three? Part three will come eventually. What about part one? Part one will also come eventually. Okay. That's the beauty of time travel podcasting. You were waiting for that, weren't you? Uh, this time we shall be talking about shell worlds. Right. Not to do with the oil then, no? No. Okay. Unless they sponsor the worlds. It's a possibility. Hit it, Gav. I shall indeed hit it, as you say. With only a few billion years left till our sun dies and takes us all out with it, the only hope for our continued species survival has to be interplanetary manned space travel. Once around into a new star, find yourself a near-Earth-like planet in the Goldilocks zone, terraform it, and you've got yourself a new home. If there is a near-Earth-like planet in the Goldilocks zone, that is. There is. Is there? Excellent. They saw one the other day, didn't they? It was like, well, this is the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Until the next one they found. Yeah, that'll be the, the, that? the second life? next best thing ever. Yes. Next sliced bread in, or- in orbit. But why restrict yourself to that sort of criteria? I don't know. Because it's so. You need to expand. Why not try Papa Bear's planet? Or Baby Bears, or even the strange cousin that no one talks about. Paw Paw Bear. Paw Paw Bear, that's the one. Nobody talks about. Do you remember Paw Paw Bear? I remember Paw Paw Bears. <laughs> you don't remember things we've just watched, but you remember the Paw Paw Bears. <laughs> the things I remember has no... Bearing on reality. Yes, something like that. Anyway, this is something that uh, Robert Kennedy, together with his colleagues Kenneth Roy and David Fields of the Ultimax Group, have considered. Well, not exactly the whole bears thing. That was all me. But what they did do was come up with a concept called Shell Worlds. Interesting. The basic idea of Shellworlds, after a long interstellar journey, you would arrive at a suitable planet and literally encase it in a protective shell of Kevlar, dirt and steel. His idea is to take a central world and put an atmosphere on it that has the composition, temperature and pressure of our choosing. This atmosphere then exists between the world and the shell, with a vacuum being on the other side. Of course, you can't change the planet's gravity, that will have to stay the same, so we're looking at planets with ideally similar gravity to Earth. But that's our only restriction, Neil. 
It doesn't need to be in the Goldilocks zone and doesn't even need to be orbiting a star. We can then import vital materials to make it similar to Earth. This could also offer us other benefits not available on Earth. Yep, like methane atmospheres. Such examples could be uh, industries and facilities that benefit from vacuum could be connected to a port on the outside shell. And uh, you'd also have access to the best vacuum that money can buy. Because we can't make a vacuum close to anything like the vacuum in space. The best that we can do is what we call ultra-high vacuum, which is like 100 particles per cubic centimetre. And the vacuum in space is just like a few hydrogen, atom, hydrogen atoms also per cubic metre. So, so it's like 33 times better. It's a shitload better. Is that a technical term? A technical term. Technical term. You do like getting technical. Yeah. If you read it in all the mathematic books, they say shitloads <laughs> better. Well, they have to say something to keep themselves going. They could also have uh, no more suntans. That's a bonus, I think. Because there's the no UV light. As well, the I'm going no to agree with you. Yeah. Because <laughs> of my, my red hair. Which also leads to no skin cancer via UV. Well, that, that's also a benefit. Yeah. Heating, cooling, length of the day, stuff like that. Could all be controlled by... Yourself, yeah, and not dependent on the orbit of a star. So that's good. <laughs> no one can see you do that. <laughs> Everybody can imagine me doing that. Though. I don't know what they're imagining me doing. But... We're like giving a sideways thumbs up. Yeah. There'll be uh, radiation protection from the shielding. You could also have rather cool designs like hanging buildings from the underside of the shell. How cool would that be? With the skyline being the planet below you. So this is a bit like a Dyson Sphere? Essentially, yeah, but it's not used for collecting energy from the sun and nowhere near as big. And it collects energy from a planet. It doesn't really collect energy, it just basically you're encases inside, an atmosphere. But you're inside the, the uh, yeah. sphere. Yeah. Okay. So it's like it's like a Malteser, where the honeycomb bit is the, is the planet. Mm. And then we're in between the honeycomb and the chocolate. Yes, if you like. Okay. It's, 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 yes. <laughs> He looks just disgusted by that. How dare you bring my science down. The coolest thing about this is you could uh, set this up on a rogue planet and you could travel all over the galaxy. At very slow speeds. Or fast speeds. I, I, I can't imagine that any rogue planet is travelling slow. To be ejected from the solar system, it would have had to be travelling quite fast to start with. But that's a different story. That is a different story. Mm. That's part four, probably.
Yes. I'll love my power four. Mars could actually be a great candidate. While it's generally considered inhospitable, there's no magnetic field, there's no tectonics. It's got a frozen car. It does have a similar landmass to Earth and would be great for shelling. The added bonus is here not having to deal with volcanoes and earthquakes. This kind of world wouldn't be perfect though, the uh, inventor of this concept admits. Optimax group. Mm. Yeah, his creation would be highly intensive and a lengthy process. I wouldn't want to be stuck on the orbiting ship when is it done yet? I'd get tired of that. You get tired of... Is this done yet? <laughs> oh, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm. Vast quantities of water and nitrogen would need to be imported or produced on the planet. Besides the construction of the actual shell. But he says that could be preferential to other, method, other, other methods of terraforming. With traditional terraforming you'd probably need something like about half the mass of the Earth's atmosphere for Mars, which would also eventually bleed off into space. Which is why Ken, you probably wouldn't use that method to terraform Mars. Shelling Mars would only require about 6.6% .6 of the Earth's mass, which is much more manageable. It's still a lot. It's still a lot, yeah. In a paper in 2009 for the Journal of British Interplanetary Society, Kennedy and his team detailed the plan. Working the maths, they discovered that if the shell were to contain a 14.7 psi Earth normal atmosphere, it would be exerting tension pressure similar to that in a balloon. So, so like a balloon and something bad happens? How oh, well, a balloon nothing bad happens in? And there's loads of people living inside it. <laughs> ah, and then when um, you let go of it, <laughs> it goes flying around the universe. Yes. Okay, I get it now. Yeah, assuming a pressure of one Earth atmosphere below the shell and a vacuum above it, it's possible to calculate the required thickness of the shell needed to balance out the pressure from the atmosphere against the forces of gravity and cancel it out. Okay, so basically just make the shell thick enough to not fuck everything yeah. up. Yeah. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Fuck shit up, okay. Carry yeah. on. For example, a shell made completely of steel at 20 kilometers above Earth would need to be 1.31 meters thick. 8.05 meters thick if it encloses the moon. We should definitely do that. What, encloses the moon? Yeah. And then just paint it white so it looks like there's a bigger moon. Yeah. No, no, and then paint like, like sponsors and things on it. Oh, oh. and paint spoilers on it. Yes. <laughs> People couldn't just look up the moon here. Oh, no. That since all we're looking for... They could paint on, on the moon, this mm. is not a space station. It would sort of be true. <laughs> It's, it's a post office. Yes. But since we're all since all we're looking for from the shell is uh, mass and not thickness to cancel out the forces, 
We could even use just a meter of steel and make the rest up make the rest of the mass up with ice, dirt and rocks. Which is essentially where this Not ice, dirt and socks. Idea came from. No. Fuck the socks. I don't know what you get up to in your first time. Well, you will find out. I will tell you and everyone. But going del delving further into it though. <laughs> what the sock? Yes. It comes to a point where it can no longer contain. So you have to cover the socket in Kevlar. <laughs> yes. It turns out the mathematics aren't quite as easy as that one. Really? Yeah. Strange as that. It is very strange, yes. It could be possible, but uh, people have sort of calculated that we need a slightly thicker atmosphere than the one that we've got on Earth. And uh, as a result of that, we would probably need to drink more water than we do. Okay. But it's still how, possible. How many, how many pieces of fruit would we need a day? Probably 20. 20? Yes. So you need like 280 bits of grapes, apparently. And uh, the the shell would need to be somewhat flexible to some degree as well. But that, and also taking into account wind as well, it's a really very tricky subject to determine whether the whole system would be stable, as in the shell to remain a constant distance around the planet during its orbit, mm -hmm. or free flow through the solar system. Oh yeah, because it could just crush part of the uh, planet, couldn't it? But the idea of the thicker atmosphere yeah, is uh, if the if the central planet moves sort of off-center to the shell, the atmosphere acts as a sort of buffer and sort of the thicker the atmosphere, the more effect it has and the more stabilizing effect all the forces have to get it all central and keep it central. But then you've also got to take into account the rotation of the planet itself and the structures, how that affects wind patterns and it's really, really tricky to, to calculate whether it's actually going to be stable or not. But it's an interesting proposition. Or you could alternatively just uh, dig caverns in your uh, planet and just live in caverns and fill the caverns caves. with an atmosphere. Yes, living caves. Oh, I see. And fill that with uh, an atmosphere of your choosing. Whether pillars would work to support the outer shell, keep it in sync and everything at an equal distance, I don't know. I imagine it would, but I'm not a mathematician. You're not. I'm disappointed in this. But, as it says... Who says? The guy at Ultimax. Robert Kennedy? Mm. Not no relation. Well, one of them guys, anyway. Getting to another star is half the battle, but you also have to give thought to what you do once you get there. One of the objectives of travelling to another star is colonisation. It's unlikely that once we get to an alien star system, we'll find a world that we can move into. 
Super Twist. Super Twist. Mama, mama.